When somebody is in the throes of any strong emotional experience, whether it's um, panic, whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety, or any other emotional uh, reaction that can even be traumatic, you can't speak to that person at that moment and say, hey, you know what, let's sit down, let's reason here, let's be a little more sober, a little more deliberate. Because emotions by definition, and this is vital for us to all know, emotions by definition take, take hold of us. They, they actually take us, they hold us hostage in their tentacles. Just think about the last time you were in a very strong emotional reaction to something. A- angry, vengeance, resentment, or fears. They are very powerful, these forces. You can't just say, okay, let me do ABC and it'll be over with. For some of us, we may even need medication. Obviously, that has to be done with discretion, with the proper medical authorities and advice, not just uh, as a, a way to numb yourself. But let's talk not on that extreme clinical level. The fact of the matter is it emotionally takes over our lives and it's not easy to just reason away. As a matter of fact, there's a statement. I use this often. I don't even know if anyone coined it or something I just came to become aware of over the years that a most brilliant mind cannot speak to a crying heart. And that's whether it's a painful situation or an anxious one, and so on, because the emotions just function a different way. There are four personality types, archetypes, that define us all. Check out the description below, a course, on the Kabbalah of the four elements. So then, what do you do? So there are some guidelines of how to create a little calm, in a sense like stopping the bleeding when you go into an emergency room. There are ways. But I want, also, I want to primarily address, and also and primarily address, the second half of the story. Not when you're in the throes of it, but when you can step back, when you can either look back at the last time you had an anxiety attack, or some fear, or even a fear that's, that's right now dormant within you, but perhaps not so powerful, and to anticipate what will come ahead. That is the main focus of what I would like to address. Because there we have far more control. Now, I'm not suggesting we don't have control even at the moment, but at the moment, you need to take other measures. When a person is in a state where they can't reason, you can't reason with them or they're just overwhelmed, there, and I'll start with that, there they need safety. Safety means someone that is calm, is kind, is loving, nurturing. It doesn't mean it will immediately impact but that's what you need. That's how you do things when, when someone is in a state where, there's a, where, they're, where they're traumatized or something's really disturbing them. And it's not even the words you say. It's not about words. It's not about reason. It's not about some intellectual discussion. It's just showing that you care. It's just showing love. It has an element of being able to help people just find their equilibrium. When you see calm, calm breeds calm. So on a short-term basis, if, that, if you know a friend or someone that's in that state, the key thing is to show them you're there, hold their hand. And this is true about any type of emotional, strong emotional experience. We're talking about fear and anxiety, if someone's feeling that way and they feel really fearful of a particular situation, for example, they need to go to meet somebody. 
but they're really fearful because there's a lot of consequences. Maybe it's about getting a job. Maybe it's going to an event. People have certain social anxiety. So there, as a good friend, what you try to do, you see, you know, you never force or push anyone, but you try to say, I'll go with you. Let's talk about it. You help people work it through. And case by case. But what I want to address is the bigger issue. What is fear? What is anxiety? When we could speak to each other, when we're not caught up in the throes and overwhelmed by the emotions of it. So one of the ways it's described by the mystics is anxiety is the voice of your soul saying that something's wrong. A certain lack. Just as your body tells you when it's hungry, you feel hunger pains or thirst pain, pangs, hunger pangs, I should say, or you feel thirsty. The same is true when it comes to an emotional, psychic, or, uh, or, or something that is lacking. Anxiety is telling you there's something out of sync, out of whack, and you need to address it. Now, always depending on what type of anxiety, because there's a wide range, but we're talking about an anxiety over that lasts for a while or, is even, or, or just lives with you. And it's very often a result of a type of dissonance. To just use uh, the most basic and, and obvious example, children. When children feel secure and they feel safe and they feel cared for in their homes, tucked into bed, wake up at a certain time, have a schedule, know when their meals are there, and they know there's the, par the parents, the father and mother are there for them. Their siblings are there. What does it do? They feel they belong. It's like a bird in a nest. There's a certain seamlessness. That, of course, is the antithesis to anxiety. But what happens if your father or mother, I'm talking about you're the child, said they were coming home that night and they didn't come home? So what happens? You start worrying. You look out the window, start calling. What's happening? Because something's being disrupted. It's not the seamless flow. And for children, it's quite simple. As soon as something's out of the ordinary, obviously everyone has certain resilience, but if it becomes something more severe and more consistently inconsistent, then the insecurities begin to build up and that translates into an ongoing fear and anxiety. Because that which you expected, that which you relied upon, that which gave you security is no longer there for you. Or it's there in very erratic and unpredictable ways. People who talk about a parent that was abusive, let's say a parent, an alcoholic parent, an absentee parent, the main thing was the unpredictable. I don't know, this man, one day he loves me, the other day he disappears, the other day, next day he's angry and, and hurting me. These are the forces, the ingredients that lead to a volatility, to the lethal result of ongoing fears and anxieties. So it really comes down to having a type of Consistency, having a place to be. You know you can rely on this. You know you can trust someone. Now, once our trusts are breached, it's not easy to just reclaim or regain it because then we always start wondering, maybe the next person who I trust will also betray me or violate me or hurt me in some other way. <clears throat> and of course, there are many variations in this itself, many variations. But the point is that when we see fear and anxiety, let's look at it like pain. Pain is a warning signal that something is amiss. Something is off. 
and do something about it, or else it can get worse. Anxiety is also a, a wake-up call. It's a signal, an alarm clock that's telling you something is amiss. Something's awry. Do something, or else that anxiety can build. And that's the same with the idea of any type of fear that creates this, the unknown. What will be? There was a lot of fear and anxiety, and maybe there still is in this country, right before the election, during the election, after the election. And even now that there is a winner, there are people who have fear and anxiety, either because they didn't want this winner, they wanted someone else, or they still don't know what the future holds. Then we have the, the cloud of COVID hanging over us and other uncertainties. As I've discussed many times, what's the counterforce to the fear and anxiety that results from uncertainties? Is looking for the things that are certain in your life. Holding on to them. The fact that other things are uncertain, that's part of life. But if you have foundations that are unwavering, you hold on to them. No different than any foundation. So even if the upper floors crumble or other layers are not consistent, when you build that inner force that stays strong, you can build upon that and rely upon that. If your entire life is determined by the vicissitudes and by the forces and voices and expectations and demands and everything that's inundating us from without, what do you think your life is going to be? Of course, you'll be anxious. So the way to counter anxiety is two things. One is to recognize the dissonance and do something about it. Feed your soul. And how do you feed your soul? By looking at, point two, the values that you can rely upon. Marking down, literally writing down. Write down the three things in your life that are absolutely, you're absolutely committed to. You're absolutely, no matter what, will never forsake. And it could be the love in your life. It can be children. It can be a value that you stand for. Once you identify it, then of course, commit to it. And you'll say, well, how's that going to help my fears? I'll tell you how it helps. Because it counters the counter force. It creates the exact opposite of fear and anxiety, which is inconsistency and inconsistency and insecurity and things that are forever shifting of course you're going to be fearful. Because if your foundations are shifting, you have nothing, what do you, what, what do you have to fall back on? <clears throat> Whereas when you can identify what gives your soul nourishment and you can act on that, you have something to hold on to. And that absolutely does not eliminate the fears you may have, but it gives you enough strength to begin to rebuild, to begin to reinforce, to build upon. The second thing is who our friends are. Never underestimate what a friend can do for you and what the friend can also not do for you. If people around you are fearful and anxious, rest assured that's not going to feed your security. It'll usually make you fearful and anxious as well. Find people who have that solid, solid grounding, those coordinates that you know you can depend upon. Not to live through them, not to be a crutch for you, but maybe for the short term, yes, someone to lean on. And more importantly, someone that inspires because they have that attitude. 
That probably the single most powerful force in life that we do not access. Because what happens is, when we have that fear and anxiety, we isolate ourselves. So not only don't we find and turn to people that can help us, we actually feel no one will want to be around me, no one can understand what I'm going through, the loneliness and isolation that comes with fears and anxieties. So the point is, no, you have to find, find a way to not allow yourself to retreat into your own inner fears or inner sanctum or inner insecurities. Find those people that you can speak to. You'd be surprised. They will not reject you. If someone's ready to reject you, then it's not someone you want to rely on anyway. You'd be surprised what you can discover. And point number three. Point number three is find things to read or listen to. Music, poetry, literature, that feed your soul. With that, When you read it, you feel like a fish in water. You just feel soothed. Now again, does that eliminate? It doesn't eliminate, but it gives you the resource to counter it. Remember, one of the most painful and most difficult parts of fear and anxiety is that they're invisible. Invisible enemies are the worst. A visible enemy, at least you see it, you can identify it, it may be powerful, but, it, but fear and anxiety have that insidious type of voice just undermine you from, a, from within. And they're not loud and strong necessarily. There are fears that are, but many are not. They're just very subtle, very sublime in its own way, but at the same time, like a cancer, undermines, weakens. You see it in the inability to make a decision and make a commitment. So invisible enemies are very difficult to deal with. So how do you deal with something that's invisible? You need to shine the light on it. So you can't shine the light on fear, but you can shine the light on yourself by becoming involved in something that is positive. Yes, you're going to have the voice of fear trying to weaken you and say, you're not worthy, you're not capable. But when you shine light, when you bring in light into your life, positive things, as I said, music, art, anything. Today online, there's so many beautiful options. Stay away from the things that are dark, that evoke dread, unknowns, partisan battles, these conflicts that have no significance in our lives. Focus on things that empower you, make you feel calmer, soothe you. The more you introduce that into your life, like light, light dispels darkness naturally, so too unwavering values, beautiful and soul-stirring melodies, writings. What they do is they introduce light. And when light and warmth is introduced, automatically you become warmer in contrast to the coldness of fear and anxiety. Automatically you become more illuminated as opposed to the darkness and the confusion that fear sows in our lives. And finally, point number four, be consistent about it. Don't just do it sporadically, the positive. Be consistent. It has that impact, the continuous and exponential effect of ongoing light and warmth, of ongoing certainties, values that you know are unwavering, have a tremendous effect, not when you do it once or twice, when it's consistent day after day, 
and week after week, it accumulates and it builds something. It builds a strong foundation upon which you can build your life. When you don't have that, what are you going to become? You'll become a victim, unfortunately, to whatever is there for you. And often it's something that is absolutely temporary, impermanent. Impermanence cannot lead to any type of natural security. Because by definition, something that's impermanent means it's shifting. It's relying on something that you don't know where it will be tomorrow. How can that add to our psyche, the psyche of a human being who is fearful in the first place? Don't hesitate to speak to someone about this. Open yourself up. I don't mean you have to go out in the streets yelling about it. Open yourself up. One of the things fear, as I said earlier, thrives is in darkness. What's darkness? Darkness doesn't just mean the lights are off. Darkness means that you're isolated. You're not speaking to anyone. There's no fresh air. Like any infection begins to fester when it doesn't have open fresh air. What's the, what's the psychological parallel to that? To speak, to share, to break the silence. And you suddenly realize it's not so terrible. Now some of us have fear of breaking the silence. Will I be judged? Will I be accepted? Will I be rejected? So there is, of course, fear around your fear. But you have to break the hold. You have to break the silence and you have to open yourself up. And the final point I want to make is Whenever fighting any negative, it's always good to look ahead. What do you stand to gain? To look to the top of the mountain. On the top of the mountain lies a panorama, a horizon of beautiful potential, beautiful harmony. Think of the moments in your life where you really felt you belonged, the moments in life when you really felt that type of love, compassion, nurturing, what you stand to gain is to live a life that's not driven by fears and insecurities, decisions that are not haunted by anxieties, but rather a certain inner confidence that no matter what you come to encounter, you can handle because it's coming from that inner place. You know, I have a mission in this life. I have a calling. I have an indispensable value to, pre to present, to contribute to the world. And that is a given, an absolute given. That counters those negative forces. To be the real you, the way you were always meant to be, to shine, not just damage control, of saying, okay, another day passed and I didn't get hurt, but to shine, to allow others to hear your song, your voice, which has a uniqueness that no one else on earth and ever lived, or ever will live, can produce but you. Be around people who believe that. This is what makes my work, my life, absolutely meaningful. Because I firmly believe that you, wherever you may be, whatever situation you're in, even if you are entangled in different fears, what lies at the heart is that beautiful, beautiful soul. That beautiful song that you play. And there's no greater gift to be able to be part of this symphony. And for me to be able to be part of bringing it to your attention, bringing it to my attention, and recognizing that my song cannot be complete without yours and yours cannot be without mine. This is the mission of the Meaningful Life Center. So please check us out. We're on all the platforms. 
social media, online, MeaningfulLife.com is our so-called landing page. Plenty of resources and events, all the schedules there. But above all, please stay in touch. Write, communicate, share, like, and let's keep this light going. You can imagine what you can do for a person with one kind word. You don't know what people are going through. So I hope my few words from the heart enter the heart and together we create a ripple effect that can actually transform this polarized society of ours and find the common, den common denominator, the commonalities, the harmony within our diversity. Thank you, everyone. Be well. It's always a blessing to share a few words with you. God bless you.